Hello, uh, good evening. Uh, thanks for coming out in this rather rather miserable miserable evening. Um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna take a, a look at a few verses this uh, today that have been been impressed on my heart the past couple of couple couple of days. Um, it's not initially what I thought maybe I was going to be speaking on, but I believe that there's even if there's something in it for somebody, I'm. I believe that that's that's what it's we're there for, and we're there, we're here to learn. And myself as myself as well. Um, just gonna turn with me, please, to Exodus twenty-seven. Um, so I'll give you a second or two to. And we're just gonna read a, a couple of verses, um, verses nine to nineteen. And it, and it reads. And thou shalt make the court of the tabernacle for the south side southward. There shall be hanging for the court of fine twined linen of a hundred cubits long for one side. And the twenty pillars thereof and their twenty sockets shall be of brass. And the hooks of the pillars and their fillets shall be of silver. And likewise for the north side in length there shall be hanging for a hundred cubits long. And his twenty pillars and their twenty sockets of brass. And the hooks of the pillars and their fillets of silver. And for the breadth of the court of the, on the west side shall be hanging of fifty cubits, their pillars ten and their sockets ten. And on the breadth of the court on the east side, eastward shall be fifty cubits. And the hanging of one side of the gate shall be fifteen cubits, their pillars three, their sockets three. And on the other side shall be hanging fifteen cubits, their pillars three, their sockets three. And for the gate of the court shall be a hanging of twenty cubits, of blue, purple, and scarlet, and fine twined linen, wrought with needlework, and their pillars shall be four, and their sockets four. And the pillars round about the court shall be filleted with silver, their hooks shall be of silver, and their sockets of brass. The length of the court shall be a hundred cubits, and the breadth fifty everywhere, and the height five cubits of fine twined linen, and their sockets of brass. All the vessels of the tabernacle, in all the service thereof, and all the pins thereof, and all the pins of the court shall be of brass. Just ask that the Lord give his blessing towards the reading. Um, if you know anything about me, there's really three things I'm interested in. Out, outside of uh, church associated activities, there's three things that I enjoy and I pass my time with. One of them being history, one of them being various forms of fantasy. And the third one, it's a bit odd, is numbers. Um, often Zoe will hear me giggle, and it's because the clock killer says quarter to midnight, so two, three, four, five, or it says one, two, three, four. That's just the way I, just the way my mind works. Um, numbers in the Bible. Just before we really get into into the meat of it tonight, numbers in the Bible. You could go as deep as you want. You could take. You could go too far. You could look too much. Um, just before we go over, you see the number 10, and it pops up a few times in this verse, multiples of 10, multiples of 10, even back throughout Exodus, the very, very start of the, the Hebrew nation, stands for perfection. So right at the very start of our, of our passage, we've got, we've got perfection, and I could go in further. Um, is it much use? I don't know. It could be, it's definitely very interesting to look at. The tabernacle in and of itself, Everything stands for something. Um, there's men who know far, and women who know far more about it than I probably ever will. Um, but tonight, we're going to take a look at two versions of one thing. Um, if you go back with me in time, 
Imagine you're standing in the tabernacle. This tabernacle has just been built for the first time or raised and dedicated. And you're standing within the courtyard and the holy sanctuary is behind you. You're not, allowed, you're not going to be allowed into that. But you're looking out through the door you've just walked in. That one door that stands for the one, the one way, the one acceptable way. You see this white, white linen, this five, five cubit high white linen. This picture of God's holiness and perfection. And you see this white. And in, in every branch, every so often you see this pole. That's what we're going to be looking at. We're going to be looking at these poles. We're going to look at this pole that you'll see from the inside. But if you're on the outside, you'll see as well. So let's, let's just read what it says. Verse 10, it states that the pillars and sockets shall be of brass with hooks and fillets of silver. These fillets, um, there's a bit of discussion as to what the word actually means. There's a couple of different ways. It could just be decorations or it could be a top cap. Either way, it's a, it's a, a bit of silver around the top of these poles. Um, they, as with everything the linen mentioned so far, the numbers, everything stands for something. As we look at this pole, the first thing we'll see is this brass pole. We're looking straight ahead, we see a brass pole. Generally speaking, we believe this to be uh, a bit of wood, acacia wood, or if you have a King James, it'll call it shittim wood, wrapped in brass. That, that uh, wood there would have been the only local wood they have. Jacob and had commanded his children and his family to carry some of it into, uh, into Egypt when they were going in to see Joseph. So some of it could have been from back then. I mean, I'd have loved to have had the faith of Jacob to go, I'm going to bring this wood. It's not for my time. I don't know when it's for, but I know I've been told to bring it, so I want to bring it. And you know, but that that aside, um, this brass brass enclosure that you'd see from the inside looking out or from the outside looking in, it's the same brass that was used to make the altar. It's this brass that's used throughout all the all the uh, all the implements, all the tent pegs, you name it. If it's not specifically mentioned to be using gold, silver, or, or linen, that's what it's using. It's using brass. This brass, as we uh, we were listening, or we were reading a few weeks ago or a few months ago, it stands for God's divine, God's divine justice, His divine righteousness. Um, this justice that we need to have, or sorry, this justice that He has for us, because we are de deserving of, of judgment, not through who we are, but through who we've been born, what we've been born into, born through sin. And if people are standing in, looking out, or out looking in, that serves as a constant reminder that no matter where we are, be we on the inside or be we, be we on the outside, God's righteous judgments, it's there. It's for, it was either for us, or it's, or it's a constant reminder. We see the, the bronze base. Now, we don't know what the base looks like. It could have been a, a drop down in, into the, the ground or it could have been a flatter longer one um, it just says a base uh, we can go into the history and the take looks at it and we, really all we've got is a best guess this, this is a socket that's holding up the post it's a bronze socket it's God's righteousness once again it's the only thing that's holding us up if God didn't if, if there was no righteousness in God we wouldn't have a chance Psalm 133 reads if you, Lord, kept a record of sins, who would stand? And we know that whenever we're, we're, we accept Christ as our own, as our own personal saviour, and we enter into that relationship with him, those sins are remembered no more. If he kept them and just said, well, that one time you did this and this and this and this, I'm not going to let you in. And I, I say that with respect. I don't mean that um, blatantly or dis uh, with any measure of disrespect. 
where would we be? We'd be no, we'd be we'd be nowhere. We we wouldn't be able to have that. As we pull forward in time a bit, um, this righteous judgment still applies. It applied to us before a believer. It doesn't apply. It applies to everyone I say who isn't a believer. Um, Malachi three and six states, "I am the Lord; I change not." There it is in his own words. He's not going to change just because it's 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years down the line. Isaiah 6 and 3 states, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. So there he's saying he's not, he doesn't change and he's holy. So if he was holy back then, he's still going to be holy now. So we move up past the post, past the base. We see the, the head of the post itself. Um, Oh, sorry, we see the actual post itself. This is a bronze encased acacia wood, as I already touched on. The, the wood, the acacia wood itself. Whenever you, whenever I, whenever I took a look into it, it's a really, really dense hard wood. It's a really hard wood to work with. It'd be harder than any woods that we would have in Europe. Um, it's a real tough. When I say hardwood, hardwood is a, as the the type of wood, but it's also really heavy. Going on to even joiners. Joiners' uh, websites and all that today. Just doing a bit of research into it, and they're saying you don't really want to be working with large chunks of this in one, in one go or on your own. So it's something that requires a lot of a lot of work and a lot of a lot of uh, commitment and time and effort to work through to make it good. Um, as I was saying, the bronze represents judgment. Acacia wood represents our corruptible nature. Acacia wood doesn't grow straight up like we, we imagine trees to go, just nice and straight like a cartoon. Acacia wood goes up and then it just goes wherever it wants. It goes out like that. You think of your, the trees you see in the, the savannah, that's the way acacia wood grows. It's a real hard wood. It's a real tough to work with and it decides where it's want to go. The effort and cost needed to craft it into something of beauty, it's no small amount. Just like acacia wood, we're always wanting to go our own way. We don't want to go straight up and straight down, nice and perfect. We're always trying to go, oh, I'll go over there or I'll go over here. And when it comes to our, our corruptible nature, that re it represents us not wanting to, to stay with, within God's will. Our sin drives us away from God's will. It makes us want to go effectively the opposite. It takes active effort. As believers, it takes active effort and daily communion with God to grow. It's not just a passive activity. If you left Acacia Wood to grow on its own, It'll grow wherever it desires. You have to trim and you have to keep it, maintain it, like a, like a bonsai, effectively like a large bonsai tree, if you want it to go in any way, shape, or form. The acacia wood, it also requires diligent upkeep, I'm led to believe. And when we ref, whenever we refer that to our own, our own corruptible self, that's what we need. Um, the wood has a very, it's, it's very prone to drying out, uh, very prone to drying out and cracking. It takes regular care to get it into good order and good shape. And you can't just throw in it. No, you can't just throw bleach on it. It has to be done the right way. The only way to keep it is effectively water and soap. It has to be cleaned. There's no quick fix. It has to be, it takes hours of proper hard work. And that's not glorifying the work itself, but it shows you that there's only the one way for it to grow or one way for it to be taken care of, much like us. There's only one way that we can keep our faith strong and grow to, to be more like Christ. It needs to be constantly maintained and keep, sh keep short accounts with it. So as we reach the top of the pole, we see this uh, silver fillet. I'm going to refer to a fillet whenever I look into it. That's what I believe it is. It'll be similar to a rain cap on a post you would get. This, this silver stands to remind us for the price that was paid. 
not only was it paid for us, but it was laid on Christ's head, sitting in the top there. Symbology, you can look into it too much, but I feel I feel personally that this it would be an apt, an apt method. As the, as the silver is laid on top of the, the post, so the punishment for our sin was laid on Christ's, Christ's head. Silver is also, it also represents purity. We're often told about silver being tried in the fire and used for in, implements of of kingly kingly equipment. Your average commoner wouldn't have had a silver knife or fork that we potentially could have. It was reserved for royalty. It needed maintained. So it did. It reminded us of the price to be paid as well. As well as the purification. We're to be more like Christ as we go through it. We should be seeking this. Um, Isaiah 1 lets us know what happens to silver if we leave it out. Silver, it tarnishes very easy. Isaiah goes, it becomes like dross. You know, if we don't maintain our own Christian faith, that's what happens. We become steel, we become stagnant. Yes, it's still silver, we're still saved. But even that's the joy of silver. No matter how tarnished silver is, it can still get polished back up. It can still shine like new. Um, so after after gazing upon this, so we've, we've taken a look at our, our pillar in front of us, the bronze, the judgment, the acacia, our own our own corruptible nature, silver on top, the price that was paid, the purification that we go through, or we, or we should be aiming to go through. I'm going to say purification. I don't mean purification as if we need to be out uh, berating ourselves, and it's, it should be a, a growth with Christ. So if you come back and you're standing looking out, if we turn around and we look at the at the, the holy the holy tabernacle and you'll see four pillars in front of you as an aside that four uh, a four in the bible when you see four it represents open to all you know it's not open to those who can afford it or the the really devout believers it's, it's open to anyone be it the first time they've heard about it or the 400th time they've heard about it we see this we see this pillar and it's all gold as you look down you see the brass the brass on it again as you look up you see the acacia wood wrapped in gold and you don't see a silver on top you see the gold a gold plate on top this is a, a larger a larger pole gold in this instance refers to god's righteousness the acacia wood once again refers to us our corruptible nature wrapped in god's righteousness now obviously back then the israelites didn't know who they're living for or didn't know specifically they knew that a messiah would eventually come but us looking back, we can see that to be Christ's righteousness. It's Christ's sacrifice for us. There's no silver in the top. The price has been paid. So uh, those are just a few scattered thoughts over two items in the in the temple. And when I say you could look into a, a lot more, there's you could spend months looking into the tabernacle and hardly have scratched it. But just uh, as I as I wrap up, um, we look at the contrast between the two pillars. If you're standing out looking towards the Holy of Holies and you see this bronze, this bronze post with the silver top and the bronze base, you're reminded that there's a there's a righteous judgment. It's not just a judgment, it's not just somebody's angry and they're coming after you. It's a, a righteous judgment that, that falls upon our corruptible nature and there's a price that needs to be paid. And as we enter through that one gate, the one way that's opened all, I mean this wasn't a secure compound. Anyone could just walk on in through the gate. Um you come across the Holy of Holies and you see this gold post and that symbolizes the price has been paid. There's no silver in the top. The price has been paid. Christ's righteousness wraps around our corruptible human nature and makes us 
pure in the, the sight of God. Just as a, as an aside from the, the silver cups, silver when it's shining properly and it, when it's when it's polished up in the desert, on a flat desert, you can see it for miles. The sun just hits a wee glimmer of it, and everyone can see it. But that only works if the, if the silver is polished. So do others know where we are, or have we lost our shine? And I don't mean that. I'm not looking for an answer. It's a rhetorical question. I ask myself it as well. But maybe it's just something that we, it's worth having to think about as we look on this, this tabernacle that we no longer have any need of. We have that open relationship with God. We can walk into the Holy of Holies and have that, that uh, personal communion rather than go through anybody. But I hope those have been, they're just scary thoughts and I hope they've been of some use to somebody. But that's, that's me for the evening.